0: Welcome to the Veloce Podcast, fast and fluid conversation with Kat Empey and Richard Bott.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Veloce Podcast. So, we're Hello. on episode 18. Still Richard and I doing it. <laughs> I haven't fallen not, out yet. I've not been sacked yet. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so as always, let's start with what have we have been doing this week?
0: Have well, been we've been away, haven't we? We've been away, much? we've been at Silverstone most of this week, haven't we? But yeah, various people. Um, yeah. you so did a track day,
1: I did. So, I was um on a track day with a client of mine in a GT3 RS VISAC uh, pack, so beautiful, um, yellow and carbon black, uh yeah GT3 RS it's very low mileage so he's had to do a few little um he did a little road trip to goodwood and a few little road like day tours just to get some miles on because it had something silly like 50 miles on it when he purchased it so the car was basically brand new as it just <laughs> and, came out the factory done, yeah, yeah done yeah. nothing um really great buy bra- um, so yeah so we were on silstone main circuit uh, it was just great to be back on, on the big track, to be honest. Um, I absolutely love Silverstone GP, it's one of my favourite circuits and I know Stuart, uh, my client, very well, um, but also it was part of a club, so helping some of the other guys. There's some mega cars there, um, but there's quite a lot of race cars out as well. Um, so uh, normally on track days there's less race cars, more road cars, but hey, it made it a bit more interesting and mixed up and I think it was quite good for Stuart and some of the other guys to see the difference in pace from a track day to a test day as such. Um, So there were some positives in it for sure, it's just not normally how it's run let's say. Um, But no, really good fun, absolutely love the car Um, and because we've done quite a bit together um, we're going to do some more stuff and hopefully I'll get to drive it a bit more as well which um, I mean for me um gt3 rs is one of my favorite cars to drive anyway so um yeah absolutely loved it and then aside from that we've been at porsche over the other side of the road as we call it well i did <laughs> a similar track. thing so i spent
0: all day thursday um with a client both of us in gt3 rs not not though, just normal ones yeah still... common garden gt3 RSs. but yeah we uh, have so had you... a great day on the international circuit because most of the time we just had it to ourselves
1: yeah, it was you, just he and
0: I, and it, we, it was uh, I was exhausted by the end of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you were doing it a bit different, weren't you? So you had a yes, lead car, ducks and drives, and, you were doing yeah, lead car, and he was following. Um, to be honest, in an ideal world with our own personal stuff, we like to do a bit of both because it works so well. A lot of people are visual yeah. learners, so it's really good to spend some time in the car going through finer details. And especially, obviously, with beginners. Um, but then as they develop, it's great to pass that responsibility on slightly. Yeah, because they start to make
0: their own connections in their own heads then, don't they? Rather than listening to what you're telling them and trying to just do what you've said rather than
1: Absolutely. work their own way out. Absolutely. So, um, yes, yeah, so it works really well for that. And and because they're visual learners, I think it helps seeing the attitude of the car in front You start to push them a little bit more with pace um, and they have to really think about all the things you've said when you've been in the car. Because one thing I have noticed, if you're constantly in car, is people become quite dependent on you. And as lovely as that is, obviously we're here to make sure somebody can do it when you're not there. And that's a whole part of teaching, right? So, So, yeah, it's been interesting doing both and it's really taught us a lot for our own stuff that really a priority with a lot of our events is when when the opportunity allows is to to do both together. Do
0: both, yeah. Very we've much, got some so. ideas, haven't we, that we're not gonna let yes. out yeah, but, um, yeah we've got There's some ideas about to do it. Events
1: yeah. coming up let's say um coaching events which will be a mix and hopefully a bit different to what some other people are doing. So yes. yeah. so yeah so watch this space let's say um so yeah moving on then road cars
0: first of all Yeah, so, so what's um, the news <laughs> well a couple of things really i mean it was some of it new, some of it some of it been around for a bit but really quite interesting in what they're doing so yeah in terms of new my if somebody said to me if you can have any porsche and you can only have one it would be a gt3 touring yeah and the new one's out now yeah absolutely <laughs> so what a new one now please
1: <laughs> yeah um i have to say um i i'm not Hey, I love the touring and I certainly wouldn't say no to one, but for me I'd go the whole hog with the wing and
0: yeah. everything
1: and roll cage and 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 I'm sure people probably think, Oh, what a twat <laughs> But um I absolutely love I don't it.
0: think they would have they saw you in it, they would have they saw me in it. <laughs> I, I just that's love
1: how, the whole... that's how it, how that rolls. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I absolutely love the whole hog, let's say. Uh, for a GT car. But that said, the new touring looks mega oh, it doesn't does, it.
0: yeah i mean the previous one you can only get manual couldn't you but this one you can get pdk yeah
1: so you've um, got the option basically yeah but I, for me
0: that car would be purely for about driving pleasure so i'd have a yeah. manual one
1: yeah absolutely absolutely because uh, we've probably mentioned this before and i think you're in the same boat as me with this but if i had it as a, a let's say i purchased one as a track car only, i probably would have pdk paddle shift um and do it that way um but as a road car let's say for road tours and just general daily pleasure, I'd have a manual so I could heel and toe and have that extra involvement with the car.
0: Well yeah, I mean yesterday, driving the RS, you wouldn't want that to be manual. Yeah. It would have been a different day in a manual
1: car. Yeah, and as much as obviously we've both raced manual cars, and as lovely as that is, I think once you get used to paddle shift
0: on track,
1: uh, on track that is, it unlocks um, things that
0: a manual can't. I think. On yeah, track.
1: and I think obviously you're focusing more on left foot braking, aren't you, and and other techniques rather yeah. than heel and toe, and 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 it'll almost allows you to focus on other elements of your driving even more so, mm. just trying to get everything. as perfect as possible let's
0: yeah,
1: say. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, tell us a bit more
0: about the Touring. So essentially it's the normal GT3, mm-hmm. so same engine, same chassis, same suspension setup, so it's not any softer or anything mm-hmm. like that. It doesn't have the big wing, mm-hmm. so it has a, it has the same lift up rear lid, you know, automatic rear, it's a standard 911, just with a different, it's got its unique cover if you like, yeah, but it's so... got the lift up thing. And the front end, I think it's the GT3 front end, just it's all coloured the same yeah. body as them. It's not, on so, GT3 it's all different plastics. and
1: Yeah, so normally it's a bit um, on a GT3 at the front, as I'm sure I'm teaching people to suck eggs here, but um, normally there's a lot of black extra trim where it's broken up, you know, big kind of uh, lip at the front, you know, obviously big spoiler, that kind of thing. So the touring, they've decided to kind of make it a bit more subtle on the nose um, and at the rear, the lift up uh, wing at the rear um, that they have on normal 911 so you've probably seen it whether it's on track or road when people accelerate suddenly it lifts That actually looks quite different doesn't it it does yeah so it's got a lot of mesh touring. on it and
0: yeah so it's different to the current 911 isn't it which yeah. has the kind of aluminium strakes on it yeah so it's a unique sort of engine cover for the, yeah. for the touring yeah. and it looks a million dollars and you yeah. can go on and like like i always do go onto to porsche uk's configurator and I would play around with it, yeah.
1: Yeah, but yeah. away from that, still same engine. So what's it? 503? 500
0: just over five hundred, isn't it? Yeah,
1: basically. horsepower. Rest and nine and a half. Same chassis. Yeah. All, all, all of that underneath is still the same. It just depends whether you want something that is a bit show-offy <laughs> or something a bit more subtle let's say yeah. um so yeah so it's great that that's out um obviously they they normally release it don't they each time um but they have made i think a few more subtle changes this time around yeah. so yeah which is which is nice to see you know that they're yeah. making that change Well, i mean
0: they tried the concept with the 911 r didn't they yeah which is a fabulous car yeah. um and then the touring came out which was the kind of um was essentially the same thing yeah. And then obviously they've now going to continue building the tourings. So yeah, it's a bit funny 911 Ts as they used to be back in the day. I
1: think. 911R was a funny one, wasn't it? Because it went massively up in value very quickly. Everybody wanted one because they thought that was the last of like a a GT car that was gonna be a manual. Yeah. Um and then of course people pay way over list yeah. and then all of a sudden there was like, Oh no, we're gonna do this touring now actually <laughs> and that's gonna be manual too and a oh, GT yeah. car. So but I dread both... to think where some people lost a little bit of money well, on that you yeah, normally don't but... lose money on Porsches, no. do you? Um... But they're
0: both still very strong. You know, oh, yeah and a, a touring or an R is still a lot more money than an RS or a normal GT3. Yeah and I suppose the
1: R was pretty limited was oh, yeah, it? Yeah, it was so, a lovely thing. And it yeah. had a bubble
0: roof which the the touring didn't. Yeah. There, there was little there were differences.
1: Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. So yeah. um but anyway, moving So moving on from that,
0: you... that, so not exactly mundane though the car itself is fairly mundane, which is this the, the Toyota Mirai. Yeah. which you will probably never have seen one because they've only ever sold something like 12
1: Yeah, so looking... They've hardly sold any. Last year... They sold 12 in the UK and this year they're aiming to sell 15. So it's yes. a very kind of limited thing, isn't it? But
0: I don't think that's the point of it. I think the point of it is to prove the technology.
1: Absolutely. And what
0: it is, it's it can purely hydrogen-fueled.
1: Yeah. So, so
0: you stick your fire, like you're filling a cigarette lighter up. <laughs> you, you, you fill your car with hydrogen and then that then powers an electric motor, is my understanding uh,
1: uh, Absolutely. So it goes back to that talk of obviously EV, electric vehicles, most manufacturers now, even you know, Lamborghini and others are now investing. I think they've announced what twenty twenty three or is it twenty twenty five? I can't remember now. But a full EV car. Um, you know, Porsche invested a huge amount into electric vehicle technology, but also Porsche are looking at fully, as we mentioned before, a fully synthetic fuel, which we believe they'll be working with Formula One with, and um, which could then mean it would be greener than electric and give us options and I think it doesn't mean EV is going to be then done and dusted and gone. I think it will just give us more options for different environments. So let's say in cities and towns the EV works great doesn't it in many respects because yeah. you can have buses, taxis, all that kind of thing, the air is obviously very green, that kind of thing. Um, but away from that where it is a little bit more difficult people uh, for people, especially when it comes to range with electric vehicles and how long it takes to charge and how you make the whole process from start to end very green um that i think they're still looking at alternative options so Porsche with this um, fully synthetic fuel which also is linked to hydrogen and then of course we've got Toyota doing this fully hydrogen
0: yeah and also um, Toyota still build electric vehicles and they're, they they're big into hybrids yeah. um yeah, that that's a big thing with with Toyota, but the problem that they, that you've got is all the governments have gone oh, well, electric then, so they've all yeah. backed electric and yeah. and and obviously the car manufacturers have nobody ever asks them. Yeah, I listened to a thing really from a guy who was a, who was part of the industry, and he said that the, the lobbying the government never asks them. Mm, you mm. know, because the car manufacturers would have said, you know, there's uh, the electric's one option. Yeah, and it can be used, but it can be used in conjunction with other things. Absolutely. You know?
1: So I think. It, so kind of the top and bottom of it is in future hopefully what we will have is different alternatives and options to suit different situations. Yes. So I think EV's here to stay. People like Porsche and Les won't have invested for no reason. No. Um, but I do think we're going to end up hopefully with a slightly different fully synthetic fuel which will be linked to hydrogen. And obviously Toyota have gone a slightly different way about it to what Porsche are doing at the moment but I think it will merge um and it hopefully will mean eventually we can use our combustion engines utilize what we've got to a point and have these you know exotic cars that sound fabulous but have no guilt attached to that of what you're well I say no guilt to that <laughs> attached to the planet of course building anything new there's always going to be you know things that we could do better but I like that they are they are looking at lots of different ways of improving the situation so um yeah so with Toyota it's quite interesting isn't it that they're trying to they're not really out there to try and make this their main car but they're obviously testing this technology um, and putting it out into the market there isn't very many hydrogen Fuel stations, there's not much infrastructure there?
0: now, and that's probably that's why they're not selling them really. Yeah, I mean, there's a similar problem with electric, but I guess that's changing slowly. Yeah, that, mean, that's getting. Somebody a lot was telling better. me the other day that a friend of theirs had a, has got an electric car, mm. and it has a range of 150 miles wherever it is, because he puts his wife in, puts yeah. his friend and his his friend his wife in, yeah. and luggage. And all of a sudden the range has dropped right down. Yeah. And he said he was going somewhere and he was 60 miles to go and his range was 40. Yeah. So then he's got to find somewhere. So he goes and finds somewhere. That's not working. Uh, now he's having a full-scale panic about whatever he gets. But that will change, that I was, guess. Yeah. But that's the other problem with electric vehicles because I was talking to a chap the other day. He was looking at Taycan and he said what worries him about Taycan is if he goes and spends 100 grand at Taycan. And then the technology, which is evolving so quickly... Mm. All of a sudden, nobody wants this tire gun because it's got the old batteries in it. Yeah. You know, and he's... He, I can
1: see that being hard, but I think... I mean, it, that's always going lot, to be a problem, isn't it? At the moment, um, certainly when it comes to government, and it, it, as a business, there's certainly a lot of allowances, let's say, for electric cars where it can make it more cost-effective. So I think as a business owner, hopefully you wouldn't lose out and have that worry so much. Um But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want us to sound anti-electric. Yes, we're petrol heads. You know, I'm not gonna lie, for me personally, I'm always gonna lean towards something with character and excitement and flair. And I'm not saying you can't get that from an electric car, but the only one I've driven so far, and I've not driven them all, um, that gets closer to that is the Taycan. But that's, hey, you know, I haven't driven them all, so I can't comment. No. Hybrids are a different story, of course. You know, like I had a gentleman yesterday in a 918 supercar, that's an amazing thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. obviously it's not a full EV car. Um, no, but so, it is a hybrid yeah, so I think um if we can merge some of this technology together um and we can obviously make the the planet greener um but also keep lots of different types of people happy in various environments and ut- more for me utilize what we've already got well, that would be great because yeah. we've seen it with these superchargers, you know actually when you look at these you know power stations that they have to put in these superchargers there's a hell of a lot of added things that will get better but as it stands aren't quite as green as it first looks on the face of it so i think that will evolve and that will get better but i think it'll be great for all of us if we can also have alternatives that could potentially be even greener
0: well i think a mix is always going to be the answer isn't it but, yeah. You know, so just backing electric is probably not the way to go because if, you, if you're in a an african village yeah. There's probably going to be no electric to plug your car in, but yeah. people still need automatic. You need still powered transport. Yeah. That's where things like maybe hydrogen or Porsche synthetic fuel
1: yeah.
0: is is going to make more of a difference to those kind of environments.
1: And know? hey, you know we're looking at it from a perspective of you know we love our cars and driving, so we want to make sure that cars are still cars. You know they still have character, fun, exciting, good to drive, not too heavy, all that kind of stuff. But the everyday driver might not be worried about any of that well self-driving is
0: probably a lot of people
1: yeah but for a lot of people they still want it to be easy you know that's why a lot of people don't use public transport because it's not as easy in some areas so if electric is made difficult for them in the fact that they have to wait 20 minutes an hour whatever it might be or there's a queue at the charge point that kind of thing that will stop people whether that's right or wrong you know that's a you know talking to a lot of people and just getting a general kind of idea of people's feelings on this i think um yeah that's obviously another battle to make things greener so so yeah i think alternatives if we can mix that that will be the answer for for hopefully everybody really and so hopefully this is just an exciting era in that electrics moving on evolving but also potentially we've got other things on the cusp which us as petrol heads could mean that we could really have some fun with yeah
0: absolutely you can go back to
1: but also be green with in it. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. So so hey, let's
1: let's wait and see. But yeah, have a have a look at the, the Toyota, you know, hydrogen car, the what's My, it
0: Myri. I think that's yeah. how you say it.
1: So have a look it at that. It means
0: future in Japan Japanese, yeah. yeah. So
1: have a look at that, see what you guys and girls think um to that.
0: So um, a good friend of mine, Phil Mayo, who's watching, is <laughs> married to a Japanese girl, so he may tell me that I've pronounced that completely. Yeah, wrong, so. or somebody <laughs> else probably will correct Josh. Yeah, sure. yeah, somebody <laughs> will. Yeah, yeah.
1: So next topic then. Driving,
0: driving, yeah. So, this is something that we've talked about, we've touched on it a few times in podcasts. Um, in in the work we do, that we're coming across more and more, which is is understanding or helping people to understand the importance of a driver coach, absolutely, rather than an engineer. So, we're talking more tracking than anything else on the road. It's a little bit more obvious that that a driver coach is going to help you, yeah, uh, because of the things that they can talk about and everything else, but in a track environment, um. It's becoming more and more that that people just want an engineer and they just want data and they just want to be told, right, do that there then. Um, And we wanted to talk about that a little bit, didn't we? We
1: did, because it's not, and I don't want this to ever come across like we are slagging off engineers. Some of my best mates are engineers. I've got a couple of friends that work very, very high up at Red Bull. They are amazing at what they do, um, so this is not an attack at all. No, and it's
0: not about that. It's, 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 it's about it's the limitations a, that an engineer has compared to the, the driver coach, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: and I think it's about, in an ideal world, how you have lots of different experts with different expertise and bringing that together to get the best out of an individual. And I think that's the thing, you can't cut away big areas. use just one area so for example when i was racing in formula 3 i used data a lot but i still had a driver coach because one thing that is different with data is it's very black and white and and coming from an engineer um they make it very black and white which is great in many respects but um of course they don't necessarily dig deeper into perhaps why i'm breaking earlier or what i'm feeling what what is going on in my head. Yeah, where for are you? Looking happen, and what are you um, yeah, exactly. And all these things because there's normally lots of other reasons for why are my, myself or another driver isn't braking how they should be, or you know, using all the road or getting, as we call it, flat car, you know, um, um a completely straight car as early as possible. And we can be talking, you know, minor details here where you watch two drivers and they look almost identical but um one is slightly held back they've both they're sharing data but one is just struggling to perfect it like the other
0: yes and i think that and the thing that we, that is that that understanding it to the n- nth degree from a technical point of view is never going to help you yeah. so being a really really technical and knowing everything that you know the damper pressures, is not kind of thing won't make you a good driver because yeah. I can guarantee Lewis Hamilton doesn't know what those things are, yeah. and I'm not saying that drivers don't, and I'm not saying that those things aren't important. Yeah. It's just that that's focusing on the wrong thing for the driver, and an engineer's job is to focus on what's right for the car. Yeah. But all he's got really is 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 a graph. He hasn't got the the emotions that the driver's feeling, mm-hmm. what what the driver feels when his foot moves lifts off the throttle, for example. Yeah, all these well, you lifted off the throttle at that point. But what does the driver feel? How does the car behave? And what's the driver Um, looking at?
1: Isn't really covered. We talk about is cues from the car, cues from the car, from what the car is telling you. Data can't give you that. No, Um, it can't give you that kind of information. So let's take Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton for example. Both elite drivers, both share the same data, both can have the same setups. Um, engineers can give them the same details, yet, without meaning to sound like I'm, I'm in Valtteri off, because I'm not at all, um, but overall, Lewis has this ability to be more at one with the vehicle. His level of ultra feel and those cues that the car's telling him and understanding that um, is slightly sensitivity to that, isn't it? better in majority of races than, let's say, Valtteri. Uh, and that's where a coach can come in and really work on the mental element um, and then this element of feeling, repetition, doing things over and over. So if we mention Rob Wilson, for example, do you want to just quickly run through a little bit of what Rob
0: Wilson does? Rob Wilson's all about that the bits you can't see in the data, isn't he? Mm -hmm. and, and, And another thing a driver coach can do is help a driver to interpret what the engineer wants him to do and it, and it's like things we talk about about hinting and introducing things to the car at the right right so okay you've got a break at that point and the break it's got to look like this but how do you start that and what should that feel like and why mm. um you know it's not a one-size-fits-all deal you know it, it's yeah. it's going to be different for different people and, well, and knowing more technically about it isn't going to help you you've got to learn to feel it and yeah So Um, Rob
1: Wilson at one point worked um, with like 80% of the Formula 1 grid. Yeah, half the IndyCar grid and half
0: the NASCAR field. Yeah, yeah. but
1: whilst they're at the top of their game as well. So not on the way
0: up, whilst
1: they're in Formula 1. And what he would take is an old Astra (laughs) to an airfield and work on, okay, obviously with these guys, tiny details, but all to do with cues with the car, feel... And getting the car, as he calls it, flat car, so a very straight, settled car as soon as possible. And repetition, doing it over and over and over. We've actually got a podcast coming up with a gentleman called Simon Reynolds who was... um, but the manager... Um, he was seen
0: performance manager, drive, or drive development manager, wasn't he, from McLaren? Yeah, for
1: 14, for 14 years, years, as well as working with some amazing drivers away from Formula One as well. And what did he say? How many times you have to do something?
0: So there was a technical term for it, which escapes me now, but I wrote it down, <laughs> Um where he said to learn something properly, you have to do it between 300 and 500 times. Yeah. But to unlearn it, you have to do it between 3,000 and 5,000 times. Absolutely. Because that's how your brain works, it ingrains things. Yeah. So to be able to isolate one technique completely in terms of cue and feel, mm-hmm. um, you can't do that in a racing car and you can't do it from data.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well I suppose you could do it in a racing car. Yeah, you'd have to do a lot of that. And which it,
0: is what they used you, to do in the old days, yeah. but they, you know but um There's, so there's an expense it, attached to that, that's the Yeah, problem.
1: absolutely. But it's it, it's kind of merging everything together. So um i love data and i use it a lot with um you know junior drivers it, it was used on me a lot it really really helped hugely but what i think um we're trying to really say here is that's one element of the teaching technique um and we need to bring in these other elements which always used to happen because, uh, of course, there wasn't always data as well, um, yeah. which always used to happen. And it's gradually got to a point you can see culturally coming out of carts into the, some of these junior teams where, uh, of course, the juniors, they're not aware, but think, well, all I need is the data, right? That tells me when to break, turn, accelerate. That's all I need, Right. But then if that was just the case, why are they not all doing exactly the same? You exactly. know, Completely. Because they're, they're Cause so that's down much... to the
0: feel and the sensitivity and the cues. And, and the
1: mental, and the um, mental. abilities yeah. Yeah. Of, of what you're feeling, your emotions, what's going through your head, how you deal with the pressure, how confident you are, all of that side of it that you really have to delve into and dig deep. So in an ideal world, they'd know everything. <laughs> you know, yes. And they'd know the engineering as well. Because, of course, it's important to be able to... Talk to the engineer and, and be able to understand. Yeah, but you don't need to be able to
0: do the engineer's job. No, absolutely. He can't do yours, so.
1: Uh, absolutely. So, really, what we are doing now is we're bringing in some experts and we're building an academy which will bring in each area. So, taking young people straight out of karting and they've got an expert in each area. They will spend a lot of time with all of us to get them the most rounded and complete as they can up through the ranks. So by the time they get to the, the professional top sport, whether that's Formula One, IndyCar, GTs, whatever it might be, is they're absolutely prepared and ready for it in every single way. So if you look at Red Bull, they have an academy and I don't want to slag off Red Bull. I like Red Bull, um, but the academy has quite big chunks missing. Um, And you've sort of seen it a little bit where they get to Formula One and mentally, they're not prepared. They might physically be prepared, but mentally, they're not very prepared. You know, there's bits missing that they get to the top team and seem to fall apart a little bit. And it's mad because Red Bull invest all this money into into these junior drivers. Yet a lot of them, they then throw away and they might be spectacular drivers. But they need, like you said, not one size fits all. Right. They need to have well, some these people experts. need an arm around
0: them, don't they? And other people need a kick.
1: Absolutely, and they need to have the right experts around them that can read that and adjust it to suit each individual. Um, yeah, so it's something that we find fascinating. And
0: obviously, we can you can do that with. Doesn't have to be somebody in that car. I think it could be. A uh, gentleman driver that wants oh, to, you know, uh, go do the mon, or whatever, want, whatever they want to go and race the post club, whatever it is, yeah. you
1: know, or, or lady, <laughs> um, or lady, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter really who you are, what age you are, or what experience you are. You kind of prove that. We're talking about Rob Wilson and Formula One drivers, you know, it doesn't matter. But you never stop learning. And one thing I think is so important is that you know we know we don't know it all, and we i um, putting together working with other experts to make sure we can offer the best to everybody that we work with, that they have the best in the industry in each area or some of the best in the industry in each area. Um, to really help them on their way so by the time they get to the top hopefully they are really ready and prepared for it and it's just conditioned that's just what they do that's what they know in every single way so it's absolutely fascinating though and um, I love the psychology of it as as well as the technical elements Hmm. and stuff so yeah so that's why we were talking about that which I appreciate doesn't really help people away from motorsport this sort of (laughs) talk about the driving this week um, but what we will do next week is do more of a driver focused um driving technique, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, on to motorsport then. So, um, a few things happening this week. So, um, also got the French Grand Prix, so we've just been yeah, we've been we've watching watched the, the first practice. couple of practice sessions, haven't we? Yeah,
1: so we've watched uh, P1 and P2, which um, is a bit
0: depressing because <clears throat> P1 was two Mercedes.
1: Yeah, Bottas though so at the front, and one Boss thing I want to mention is they've they've changed chassis tubs. Yes. Um, which I thought was all a bit odd. Um, but um, yeah, they've changed tubs. Um, so far, Bottas seems happier, and Lewis seems less happy. Yeah. I mean, they're not saying a lot in the media, of course, because well, firstly, I suppose they probably aren't allowed to, uh, and secondly, um, certainly for Lewis, the last thing he wants is. Oh, yeah, this chassis isn't as good as the one I was in before. No, which he has not really
0: said, does he? No, and hey,
1: we don't know for sure on that. This is just general kind of build up at the moment and looking into it. But there seems to have been a lot of focus on them changing tubs, chassis and uh, seeing a difference in the two cars. Um, But apparently within the data they can't see any differences, but the drivers are saying their differences. So it'd be really interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so obviously Bottas was quickest in session one, Verstappen was quickest in session two, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. um, Um, And Verstappen, um, Perez was running completely different. Um, He was in a different engine mode, different tyres most of the time. So he was over a second off, but I think he was practising probably more, you know, race setup. setup, you know, long distance, because that's where... Perez is at his best, isn't it? It's in yeah. the races, for sure. So so you can never fully tell, but I got the impression, Mercedes, well, I got the impression from Toto Wolff, he wasn't very happy, um, yeah, for some quite, reason. he
0: was quite short with his answers, wasn't he, in the interview. Which he never normally which is. Which isn't um,
1: So whether... They are worried about Red Bull, I don't know. Also, we should mention the Alpine Alpines. Um yeah, they Alpines both are going, going well. really, really well. So yeah. people may have known that Ocon has had his contract extended till twenty twenty
0: four. Um, he's <laughs>
1: done the job, whatever. So. Well, hey, to be fair to him, you know, you've got Alonso, who's a phenomenal driver, and people class him as one of the best of all time. I appreciate he's older and he's he's just come back, but you know, he's still certainly. It's not like he's lost his ability at all. Um, and Brilliant. in the last race, obviously Alonso was stronger, but Ocon has done a great job. To be fair, um, in P two, I think Alonso just picked Ocon, didn't, didn't he, I think? I think he did. Um, but obviously not by much. Um, but yeah, so it, but it makes they're, you they're think, what, impressing.
0: yes, so further down the queue, people like Granny Joe in Formula 2, he obviously was hoping that Ocon wouldn't, wouldn't yeah, resign, because you think, because we're getting that problem again now, where you've got some F2 drivers, Renault drivers, the well, Alpine drivers, yeah,
1: where really. are they going to go now? Well, I think you know, that's always so. the problem with, with, um, Formula One, and actually something that we did a, an interview with perry mccarthy and i would never thought about it like this so um i without sound like a name dropping by the way um but i took out martin whitmarsh who um basically used to be the boss after ron dennis of mclaren and he said he believed in Formula two and junior categories you should have one to two years max and that's it you're not allowed to do anymore and i kind of agreed with that thinking yeah because if you can't win it in year two you're probably not f1 material um i'm not saying you're not a good driver because i think any f2 driver is a bloody good driver but uh, you know that level it you know we were looking for the best for form one but then actually perry mccarthy rightly said when we were talking about it the difficulty is if there's no room to move up and progress what do you do well the problem um, with that is
0: though for the other side of that is what if you win it and you can't move up you can't do it again can you
1: well, I suppose you can, but you run this. Risk. You run the risk
0: of getting beaten, then though, don't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the one you've been in it two years, and you've been a front runner. You know, I don't so know. I, think, you know um, I don't think there's an answer to that, really. But
1: hey, one one positive out of that though is the whole um, GT kind of prototype stuff. You know, WEC and IMSA, all that kind of stuff is going into a really exciting new era with big manufacturers, Porsche, Ferrari and so on going into that. So hopefully that will mean for, for some drivers, if they can't, there's this bottleneck and they can't get to F1, but they have the ability to, that there is an opportunity to go into, you know, a brilliant prototype, for example, Um, you know and you never know because of course if it's with Ferrari whether they would then pull them back across I think that is starting to happen a bit more we're even seeing it with IndyCar Hmm. where there's talks um, of IndyCar drivers going to Formula One and things like that so
0: it's sort sort of merging
1: (laughs) yeah but it's a start isn't it
0: well that's the thing is that the more (laughs) if more F1 drivers go across to IndyCar see what that's all about the more that that happens um, the more likely it is that somebody's going to go back the other way absolutely, you know no. and there's not people and I've always said this um and you know uh, whether people agree with me or not you know is, is is there is there but I completely totally believe that the mo some of the drivers in IndyCar are as good as anybody in the world
1: oh, I, oh, you know, Scott sure. Dixon
0: is as good as Lewis Hamilton
1: oh yeah absolutely. without any
0: shadow. you don't absolutely. you don't become a six-time IndyCar champion
1: well, if you're think... not an elite. <laughs> i think it's harder Performer. but in a different way so when i say it's harder yes.
0: it's easy to win it's harder yeah. to do it consistently
1: yeah because i think that you, your problem is is the grid is much closer um, whereas sometimes in formal one it can be down to timing if you happen to get in the right car at the right time or you make that right choice and decision and it all works out you can have sometimes a bit of an advantage over quite a few of the drivers on the grid. Not all of them, but quite a few. So, in some respects, and there are less competitors to beat. Whereas in IndyCar, you don't really see that, do you? It's like anybody on the field could win that race. Um, yes. So, so like. But you have there. to be
0: good, you can't be a. a oh, no, not at all. And the thing is. So, I mean, jumping ahead a little bit, obviously, Indica, there was two races at IndyCon and then Ericsson won the first one. Yeah. And Ericsson didn't really do it in F1, but he, was, he doesn't mean he's used. I mean, he was a GP2 champion. He won, he was BMW, former BMW champion. So, he's a good driver. Yeah. He's a professional racing driver. He's just not Fernando Alonso, that's yeah. all. So, of course, you go to IndyCar and, you know, he's not a consistent frontrunner in IndyCar. Yeah. But, you know, he had a good weekend at Detroit. Yeah. There was, you know, the the guy who was supposed to have won it kind of got a bit stitched up because it got red flag, didn't it? Yeah. So power ended up his ECU overheated and it yeah. car wouldn't start. And and the driver overheated because he exploded as well. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Eric's hey, still got to drive it round, you know. A, I mean, they're know, hard.
1: I I never agree circuit. with people when they say like um a little bit like um oh Nico Rosberg. Well, he only won that championship because Lewis broke down in two races. Da da da. You know. Yeah, it, that's motorsports, Motorsport. Yeah. You know, like. You Can never say that because you know there's always good weekends and bad weekends for all drivers, really. Um, so normally it will balance itself out. I mean, how much bad luck has voucher had over the years, you know? So you could argue, well, is that why you know Lewis has had so many championships? Probably not, but you, you know, you could argue that. So, yeah, so going on, obviously, to IndyCar, as you were yeah. saying, yeah. So, um, so yeah, two just races talk at... a bit more about that.
0: So, two races at Detroit, which is um. Uh, on Belle Isle, which is a, a street circuit in effect, so but typical American street circuit, zero runoff, which came back to bite Felix Rosenquist, didn't he? Because did, nobody yeah. really has explained why, but um, throttle stuck out on the car mm. and it drilled itself into the wall at a horrific speed and it was it quite stopped scary. from over hundred miles an hour five feet. Apparently. Yeah,
1: it was quite scary to watch actually on board because um, you know I, I complain about how much runoff there is in Formula One and how ridiculous it's got with track limits. And then you suddenly see something like this, (laughs) and then you start thinking, hmm, okay, yeah, it's and unfortunately he will be out for the next round when she's not. Sorry, when I say out, out of the seat (laughs) for the next round because he actually
0: didn't seriously hurt himself i mean they have a thing in indycar apparently that if you're all right you open your visor and he did that pretty much straight away okay so he was probably winded couldn't breathe yeah. but he thought right i'm not you know open his yeah. but he's obviously got lots of bruising and everything i yeah. have been shaken about and, stuff, and i and
1: guess it. things like they don't know do they but you know internal organs and yeah, all that stuff being yes. conservative with things so on that note he yeah. was replacing it
0: Kevin magnuson so Kevin magnuson have he never driven an indycar
1: is, is going to hop in, which is really to... exciting and great for Grosjean because, of course, they were teammates, weren't they? Yeah, in Formula One. Grosjean's come to IndyCar, absolutely loving it. Um, has had a great start, actually. And I, I, I mean, sometimes I read things you know on Twitter, well, how hard could IndyCar be if Grosjean could come in and be that quick straight away? Well, actually, you know, that's just not, not true because is he's it? a world class racing absolutely. driver, that's why you know, people forget and probably don't watch enough of them coming up through the ranks to see how good these drivers are. It's just he wasn't in the right car. Has has not been a winning car, you know. And and of course, he's quite um, flamboyant. He can be quite fiery, he can be quite emotional. Um, And I think when the team isn't working right and they're not getting the results, that can get in your head and affect you. And I think it did in Formula One. But if you look at his overall results and what he's achieved, it Proves absolutely he's a world class driver. Well, you'd have to oh. be
0: stupid to not think that, though, wouldn't you, really? But you know, he's <laughs> well, I mean, you know. a form of the one driver, so okay, yeah. That... But then
1: you've got people like Miles, Maza- Maza- yeah.
0: But <laughs> well, if you put Mazapin in a club forming a Ford race, he would win it because he's not, mm. oh, no, you can't, you can't say so you don't get okay, you, you know, either of us wouldn't get within 10 seconds of, Mike, of Mick Schumacher, he's half a second off him, so he's not a completely useless, hopeless. Racing driver, mm. he's just not a Formula One driver. Well, I mean, that's yeah, what I... he's
1: not my property, no, but that doesn't
0: mean anything. That's no, not, that's no, not, I know, I know,
1: I know. <laughs> we just have a different opinion on it. That's yes,
0: fine. <laughs> well, but that, but otherwise, you run the risk of saying that you know, like it used to do in the 70s where you would get people in Formula One who were 15 seconds off the pace,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, that, 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 you know, he's he's had to, to get a super license, you've got to have got the right amount of points to get a super license. But so... for me
1: personally, I just think it's because. His dad is obviously a yeah, but that's not the point. And he's done so that, much of it, and he yeah. wasn't half a second off Mick Schumacher initially. He was over two seconds off of him in the same car. No, which is ma- you know monstrous in Formula One. But yeah, hey, but that's but sl- that's not that's not the point. <laughs> but as you can see, we're having a, a debate now. Yeah, on no, but because so. <laughs> I,
0: I know somebody who was who won um, the boss championship. Not a yeah. name. Really he won the boss championship, um which is for Formula One cars, and he went and tested the Formula Three thousand car. And was a probably eight, nine seconds off the back of the grid. Mm. So he was a good driver, but he wasn't a professional level driver. Yeah, yeah. Um, you I know, know what you're saying. So anybody who's a professional level driver, you, you don't you don't get to F1 if you're not. Not now.
1: Yeah. I, I know I know exactly what you're saying. Um I just think um yeah. I I, I think it's because he's just had a lot of experience. It is, it, yeah. You know. Anyway, um, so uh, let's go back. So obviously you've got Magnussen coming in, that's gonna be really exciting to see. Of course, he's done form one, he's then gone over uh to GT's and in, in the prototype, he's been on, absolutely on fire straight away in that, hasn't he? Done really, really well. Well he won the
0: IMSA race, didn't he? The... He
1: did. Um, you know, he's he's been spectacular and probably thought, gosh, why didn't I do this sooner? I'm back to winning races, and this car is just as quick and you know, just as fun to drive in many respects um so yeah it'd be lovely to see him and i saw some really nice stuff with him and grosjean having a good old catch-up because they were obviously actually quite close and you know reunited really in this series so it would be really nice to see one sad thing is grosjean unfortunately end up on fire again didn't he, he? did
0: yeah Was he, he had to go put it out himself this time though
1: yeah, it wasn't like His um, brakes,
0: I think, caught fire, didn't they?
1: Yeah, it wasn't like it, obviously, his previous experience. But yeah, just a bit unfortunate. But anyway, so who won race two?
0: Well, that's so, so in race two, that was, it was dominated by uh, Joseph Newgarden. He led pretty much all the way. It was getting chased quite hard by Colton Herter.
1: Yeah.
0: Grosjean yes. had his fire, so Great. they stopped it with six laps to go because they don't like to finish under yellows if they can help it, which is what yeah. stitched up Will Power. Yeah. Um, so they started again, and Pato Award was six at that point, and he's driving for McLaren, mm. and McLaren have set their car up so it fires the tires up quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and he went from six to the lead in about three laps. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then won won by about seven or eight seconds in the yeah. end. So But Zach yeah. Brown said to him, if he wins a, an IndyCar race, he will put him in a test for for the, one of the F one tests. Yeah. First he yeah. testing he's won two now. So.
1: So, uh, so what i going to say, what happens if he wins a championship? Yeah, yeah. Get to do a season. Daniel Ricciardo
0: needs to have a reading of his contract.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mind you, Ricciardo actually was only about two tenths off Norris, actually. Um, just yes. going. Sorry, yeah. I'm jumping back to Formula 1 there. But yeah. but hey, yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see, won't it? So, so we've got um, to watch the, the French Grand Prix this weekend. French so Grand Prix. So we'll obviously discuss that um, in a bit more detail next week, won't yeah. we?
0: And there's IndyCar from Road America, which is like America's spa.
1: Yeah. yeah and is mainly, that this weekend that's or? this weekend as well yeah, yeah so um yeah so we've got that to watch as well um and then we're going to talk a bit more um you know uh road cars we've actually got we were trying to pick because there's quite a few things that are coming out now that's quite exciting and exotic so we're we're going to spread that out and, and talk about that we've actually got some um filming things coming up as well with some exotic cars so watch this space on youtube because uh, it'd be really nice to show you guys and girls, some very, very special, some new, some old, but beautiful, rare cars, let's say. So it'd be really great to share that with you. Cool. Um, but yes, on to the interactive So section. an
0: interactive one, so this is one of your questions. So of all the cars your parents owned while you were growing up, which one would you buy and why?
1: So that's to obviously everybody. Um, and thanks for everybody that um, sent uh, quite a few people actually direct messaged me last time um so thank you for everybody getting involved so obviously that's to guys and girls back at home um yeah gosh for me problem is i feel like i'm going to keep saying the same thing all the time (laughs) and so i've got to think of something different because the first thing that, that comes into my head is my dad's replica ac cobra but you know um i'm gonna not use that this time because firstly it's a replica not a real one yeah um so my dad used to well, he used to love to restore cars, actually. So he um, had, like, lots of VW Beetles. He had mini Metros. He had one of those really quick Metro things as well. You know, the one with the big it's arches MG, and MG Metro. A, yeah. MG Metro. Um, or a 6R4.
0: I until mean, somebody...
1: No, it wasn't one of those. Until um, there was a bit of a road rage incident and somebody smashed every panel in, I think, <laughs> with a baseball bat, so that oh, nice. had a, yeah. a, a sad end. <laughs> um, and he had some really old Jags. Uh, so i would probably go for um because i used to love it as a kid the NG metro because it really it was small it was really chunky really aggressive and um obviously we're going back a long way here but for me as a kid it looked just what i would imagine a a, a real little hot hatch sporty car to look like yeah almost like something in rally stage or or something like that so for me it would probably be that if it wasn't the the cobra of course which is what what i always seem to manage to mention in every (laughs) podcast (laughs) but what about yourself
0: well i suppose so my dad had a um i was very very young but he had a bright canary yellow dolomite sprint yeah so that or the one that the the, and it's nothing like as exciting and probably a bit mundane in some ways was his Cavalier. He had a Cavalier SRI, one of the yeah. early ones, 1982, whatever, 83, something like that. And that's the car I remember, and that was yeah. one I, I loved it when I was a yeah. kid. So so yeah. one of those, which are probably a bit rubbish and a bit, you know.
1: <laughs> I was suddenly getting deja vu, though. Have we actually had this interactive question yeah, No, we have
0: had questions similar. Yeah, yeah so just
1: what, sort what, of yeah, yeah, yeah. it just seems like the same conversation. Yeah. If we yeah, we apologise. <laughs> Hang on a minute! Have I managed to <laughs> say the same thing I have before? No. Um, well, what, AC Cobra, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, over and over again. Um, I think no, that's we'll, what you
0: design the interactive questions so you can get you that AC Cobra. In
1: <laughs> no, I always promised myself if I won the Euros, um, and I'd have to win fairly big Euros, uh, <laughs> I would like to surprised my dad one day with a real ac cobra and just sort of
0: and a driving course and
1: uh yeah (laughs) i took him around at porsche once but that was a nightmare so i don't think you'd have to do that uh we ended up rowing for most of it Uh, that sounds about right yeah Um, he wouldn't listen to me so uh yeah obviously dad's always know best so uh but yeah anyway so um yeah next week we'll have a lot more car news in general we're going to do Driving tips which will be a little bit more linked to road um, for our road viewers. that do, We've got a lot of um, lovely friends and uh, viewers, uh, watchers that, uh, um, and also listeners, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. viewers and watchers <laughs> um and
0: then um, and i'll be back to normal series serious of, of actually not defending nikita mezzapint so yeah
1: actually, that's just yeah, a, that was just a you know a blip i think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sorry very sorry if anybody is a big fan of his um hey we're all entitled to t- our opinions we're not trying to be offensive in any way shape or form and <laughs> um, it's just of course uh just, just my viewpoint, uh, which I think many share with me. To be yeah, fair, yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll have more um, things on like that, but also just want to mention um, that uh, on the YouTube channel as well as on the podcast, we've had obviously uh, Ty Cuthbert. So if you've not um, listened or watched that yet, please do. Young Carter just turned twelve. Really going places. He's already had Checo Perez. Um, get in touch with him, Red Bull are watching him. He's got this big insurance firm looking and watching, and BTCC, pretty much everybody knows him. Um, And we did a quiz with him, and um there's a little prize at the end and all that so if you've not seen that please do we also uh had perry mccarthy don't we on as well yeah but away from the podcast um i just released a video uh on youtube which is just me basically playing around in a gt3 rs doing some drifting stuff like that as well so if you like uh to watch uh, rs's drifting then <laughs> <laughs> yeah then uh subscribe or just watch on the youtube channel and you can check that out but anyway, thanks, guys and girls. Um, any questions or if you want to write in about the interactive question, also apologies if we have done that before because I had a bit of deja vu there. But, hey, hopefully it is slightly different, um, then please do. Thanks, guys. Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Veloce Podcast, Fast and Fluid Conversation with Kat MP and Richard Bott. Don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and never miss an episode of the Veloce Podcast.